0: A, hello. Welcome to Real Native Roots, Untold Stories, a podcast by a Native woman with deep roots, hosted by yours truly, Vicki Old Oldman. I am a lover of stories, a connector, and a holder of wisdom keepers. Each month, we will be connecting with our Native relatives and exploring what medicine our guests share and offer to us. Please join me on this uncharted journey to learn, connect, and reflect. Aya Thank you. Greetings to you. I hope that the month of January offered you grace, compassion, love, fun, rest, whatever you need. For me, I've been going into this year slow and being definitely much more intentional about work-life balance. I'm really going to try my hardest to stick to it. I've even marked off all my Fridays every week to not do work. I've been doing that actually for three years and it's been really good. I've been very productive Monday through Thursday from nine to four and it helps me to get what I need to get done so I don't overwork myself. And I get to use that time to take care of me and my children. So I know that as Indigenous Native people, we don't typically celebrate holidays. We celebrate like milestones, like when someone has come into this life or someone becomes a woman. We talk about different ceremonies. And so like Christmas, Valentine's Day, those sort of things we don't practice. However, I will say that Valentine's Day is like one of my favorite because it's the day of love. And it reminds me of my mom. Every year for Valentine's Day when I grew up, she would always have a little love note and a little chocolate, a little something. She would always do that. And I practiced that. So as my two boys growing up with me. Every year, I would—I was the mom who made them make their Valentine's card. I always encouraged them to write thoughtful letters, thank you letters. That's what I appreciated from what my mom modeled, spending some intentional time being thankful for the people that love you. So today, we're going to talk about love, all forms of love. You know me, I always start with a poem, so... I asked my son to help me find a poem, and I always try to read from indigenous, people of color, poets, authors. This one that I will be reading is from Young Pueblo, and the name of the book is called Inward. This is how it starts. Here we go. I want a love that doesn't break, one that gives me water when I am consumed by fire, One that offers me shelter when I am lost. One that helps me see that the hero I am looking for is me. Yum me. I love it because I feel like my journey has been that. As old as I am, I'm at a place where I have found me. I want that love to ripple out to the people that are closest to me. My children, my parents, my siblings. So with that, I am going to introduce our guests. I am so excited. We are literally recording in my little kitchen dining area. This is the first time I have all four mics up. When I bought the gear, it was actually before COVID. And I had envisioned myself taking the gear because I travel a lot. In doing interviews all over the country. And then, of course, COVID happened, so I had to pivot in the sense of using Zoom and all the different virtual platforms. So now that we're opening up again, I am just so excited that I have three beautiful souls here. These mics are coming alive. Now they're going to have life in it. I think that's a beautiful thing. I met these beautiful women through another friend they were hanging out with, and I had my friend, so like two pods. Of indigenous women, and we were all hot looking. <laughs> we were all gussied up. We connected, and the rest was history when we met. Our friendship has blossomed, and we've been supporting each other, and honoring each other during birthdays, and getting together and just catching up. Just like the old days. I remember before the phone and the internet, relatives would come visit. They'd say, Ah, it That means, here comes somebody. <laughs> you can see the headlights. And so now we practice that intentionally by, hey, let's meet up. Let's do this. I have three beautiful women here in front of me, all Deneh women. All have been raised on the Navajo reservation. One thing in common that I read about all of them in terms of hearing them, but also asking them to share a little bit about themselves is they all want to really practice Navajo language practicing that, weaving that more into the day-to-day language, all women are accomplished because they're just badass in that way. So one of my guests, her name is Tara. And Tara, I had no idea you are an ASU alumni. So I'm like, oh my God, she's fun devil in the house. <laughs> the other thing, I know she loves to play golf, but I had no idea she was a golf coach. I now know somebody who can teach me how to play golf because that's what I wanted to learn how to do. What she does for a living, she is a financial consultant. She does finances. She also is a business owner and she has a ranching company. One of her big goals is to build a home near the ranch on the res. So my first guess is Tara. My second guess is Shannon. And I realized after seeing her clan, she's actually my sister. She has a doctor in pharmacy. I was like, what? I'm connected to someone who has a doctorate degree. <laughs> I was like, oh my goodness. She currently works in the public health field, and her main goal is to really try to have a healthy work life balance. She likes hanging out with her family and friends, and she has a little dog. She likes to play golf. One thing that I appreciated about what she shared with me is that she likes to learn family stories. And last but not least, the beautiful, sexy Sandra Howison is an amazing woman as well. I love how she shared with me who she is. I'm a daughter. I'm a mother. I'm a wife. I'm a friend. And I think that's beautiful. One of her goals is to continue to walk in this spiritual path of growing and being really intentional about who she is, what she says, and the choices that she makes Also in the finance world, she is an accounting consultant for Tribes. I had no idea that she actually lived in New York City. I just was in New York City. I could have been asking, where do I go? One of her best roles is being a boy mom. I totally can feel her there because I got two beautiful boys of my own. So ladies, whoever would like to go first, you guys can introduce yourself if you want, and Navo, whatever you want to say, maybe how you're feeling.
1: Hello, this is Tara. I guess we'll go by age, and me being the oldest amongst the three three ladies. I'm Tara Lovato, Dennett Sosi Lovato. I thank you, Vicky, for having us here today. My first time, so it's really interesting.
2: You're welcome. Hi, everyone. Good evening. Yat e Shannon Arizona Denasha. I'm just feel, feeling really humbled and proud and happy to be here tonight sitting amongst very professional and close friends and just excited to start this conversation. And thank you so much, Vicki, for hosting. And I look forward to our Q&A session.
3: Hello, listeners. My name is Sandry Harrison, and I grew up in the Four Corners area. My family and ancestors are all from that area. It's lovely to be here with you, Vicki, and of course, with some very close friends. And I think we're becoming more sisters, right? Tara and Shannon yeah. and of course with Vicki so I'm happy to
1: be here today.
0: Beautiful. So ladies I would be curious to hear how did this poem speak to you?
1: One of the first things I noticed about the poem is right away it spoke balance to me but then first I was like just balance in general but then I thought it was balance within. I was like oh that caught me right away so that's the. it's very short which you could take a lot out of it but that's what I heard.
3: I towards the end when it said, what came out at me was, you have to be your own hero first. And I guess we can go on about that. But even as a young person growing up, young woman, you don't realize you're your own hero. In a lot of situations that you face, you often look outward, family, friends. But it's, like it's you. Once you get that, and once you start to love yourself, the sky's the limit.
2: The first line struck me. I think it was, love doesn't break you. That's very true because if you're in a relationship, you go through many ups and downs. It's that support system. It's the resiliency. It's the respect and communication that keeps that love going. And you have to do that work to keep the fire going. So the first line really just spoke to me.
0: Thank you. Thank you all. What I appreciate about it is how we all take something different from it. It speaks to us in a different way. The topic, folks, that we're going to talk about, because when we get together, we talk a little bit about everything. I'm not <laughs> kidding. We talk a little bit about it. We talk about men. We talk about where we want to go. We talk about how we want to be better individuals and women and how do we give back. So we've had all sorts of conversation. And I said, you know what? I would love for you all to be on a podcast. Let's have fun. Let's just talk and see what comes from it. And given that we're in the month of February, I thought, let's talk about love. And so what we're going to do for you all, we are going to sing a little bit. Okay. Oh, (laughs) I trust Vicky. Okay, let's do this. (laughs) We'll do the best that we can. So maybe every line, Sandra, you can start. Then Tara, and then Shania. Karaoke night, huh? Oh, okay.
1: <laughs> I need love, love to ease my mind. I need to find someone to call mine. But mama said you can't hurry, love. No, you just have to wait. She said love don't come
2: easy. It's a game of give and take. You, you can't, can't hurry,
1: love.
0: No, so you just have to wait. wait. You Not gotta trust thank you, ladies, for playing. That was fun. Yeah, karaoke night. So on your little notepad, write down what you think love means. If you were to define it, what would that be? This one says love is giving, understanding, patience, fun, and growing. Another one is Love is putting another first before you. Another one here is love your friendship and family. Love is medicine. Love is wellness. Love is a mix of different elements. So I asked my son today, tell me if you were to define love, what would that be? And then he says, it's an emotion or an affection. And that's all he said. Given what you've defined and what spoke to you, I would love to hear from you all when you felt like you felt it for the first time. Who was it with? Was it a relative or friend? Like when you felt like, wow, this is what this
1: is. I can't really say that I felt it. Of course, I felt it for relatives, right? But that was more family love, which I think being Native, it was a little different because I didn't realize it until later. And then what I thought love should be was more like I should be in love with someone that I'm going to be in a relationship with. That's when I first thought I was starting to feel love, I think. But it was when that person gave me love, but really it was his family that gave me love. That's where I felt it for the first time. Growing up, this is a long story, but my mom died when I was very young. So I had a disconnect there from that motherly love. And that love, the mom connects everything together, right? In a family. So that was a big, huge thing missing. And then when I first felt that love with the person I was with, his mom was really what I loved the most. She was the one who gave me everything. That was when I first felt like kind of the motherly love. I mean, other than my mayaja or my other aunts, yes, that was a little different because they had their own families. But she was like very intent on teaching me the way a mom should teach. So that's when I think I first felt it. I think my first impression of feeling any love
3: was has to be from my mom. She stayed home and homeschooled me for, gosh, eight years or something. But just being so close to her in the home all the time and just seeing, like, the things she would do. And I think as I started to grow up and really just understand family dynamics, probably getting... 12, going into 15 years old, and then like leaving for college, like just experiencing your parents' love, but specifically my mom, and just seeing the lengths she was willing to go to, to get me to like my next ladder, my next step. And I thought, wow, I hope like I'm able to express that in some way when I have my own kids. And so that was like my first real Understanding of what love does, that even if I don't have much, I'm willing to give it to you. And that I think helped me define or have an idea of what love is because it's an everyday love. It's not just some whim of a romantic interest. It's really that everyday, like they say, like every day is you. most of your life is a boring Tuesday. There's some great spunky Fridays or a good Saturday night, but most of it is like a boring hard Monday or an awful Tuesday. And it's like in those everyday moments, showing her showing those little things, defined it, helped define it for me.
2: I think what strikes me first with that question, Vicky, is thinking about my shima I think that's the very first time I felt loved. And my mom, I grew up with my mom, a single parent, and she worked a lot. She is a nurse, and she retired. But uh, back in the day in the 90s, she had to work long hours, work in the ER, and sometimes she wouldn't come home until after 7 p.m. And so my grandma would always be there. She would always be there at the bus stop. She would cook me snacks and make me food and give me a big hug, and I just, I can still feel it. I can still remember that hug. And she would give me a bath and blow dry my hair and do all those day-to-day routine things that my mom wasn't able to do because she had to do what she had to do to provide for us in her own way. And even to this day, I still have a lot of love for her. And I have a lot of love and respect for my mom because she showed her love in a different way, providing for me by supporting me, leading by example, And there's different shapes of love, there's different types of love, there's different ways of giving it and showing it, but I feel like both from my mom and my grandma, they really just showed me how strong Native women are and really provided that love to me. And it wasn't a situation where I didn't feel loved at all, but it's a team effort, it's a family effort when you're raising your family. So that's what comes to me first.
0: Oh, this is so beautiful. The people that we want to honor, right? Like our grandparents, our mothers. And what touched me about you, Tara, is you connected with a family that model love. Mm-hmm. And it made me think about my mom because my mom lost her mom when she was like nine, seven or nine. And so she didn't really have a mother. She is the first podcast guest and so she talks about that. And she really Felt in love with her foster mother because she was one who taught her how to sew and how to cook, like all the things that if her mom was still here, maybe we would have taught her.
1: What was interesting about what both Sandry and Shannon said about mom and grandma and mom is, I lost my mom and then a year later I lost my grandma. So it was that right back to back, that whole matrilineal side was immediately gone. That's why I was seeking after that for a long time. And then thankfully, now I can really latch on to someone. And I hate to say latch on because I do. To someone who's wanting to be there in that way. So that, I guess, maybe is, it's cool too, because I have 10 moms now. And that's like really cool too. So I do appreciate that.
0: Yeah. And this conversation is also making me think about like our indigenous communities, our native communities, and how they show love. It's different because... I do a lot of work out in communities that are not a tribe or they want to work with tribes. And they're trying to understand the cultural nuances and how we see family. It's not just like a typical nuclear family. It's like beyond. And I feel like we model that well in how we see love for the community.
1: I think I didn't realize it until later, until Mm -hmm. I got older, because when you're young, you don't see it like that. You're mostly selfish when you're young, not until you get older. And maybe you do have your own kids or you experience something a little bit different to know that, oh, yeah, like my aunts were there for me, my situation. My uncles were all there for me. But I, did, I was in such a selfish, maybe bad place that I didn't see it until now. I see them and I was like, oh, my dad was trying to be there and along with all his brothers and my aunts and everything. But it was me. I was not accepting But yes, you're right, the community was there.
3: You talk about that nuclear family. I think we all have different stories, especially I think when our parents are both either from a tribe, specifically Navajo, right? They come from so much multi-generational trauma that when you bring two folks that come together and try to build a family, you are dealing with a ton of things. And they're now, looking back at my family, just seeing all the things that I've been exposed to. It's easier to understand it and give grace and give empathy to them. One of the things that really touched me with what Tara said is my mom, she would always tell us I lost my mom when I was 15 and I couldn't imagine that. When I think about that, it really makes me appreciate, of course, having my mom, but it just makes me feel really even more obligated to really understand so much stuff that hits our tribes and our local communities, because everybody has a story. Everybody is understanding love from different family members, from different points. And it's just amazing to see that all unfold. And it's so cool to just understand how unique Navajo families are.
2: I think going back to loving your community, it goes back to love is medicine, love is wellness, because I feel like The love that you have for your community is a part of that holistic love that fulfills you. Like being a part of a community, being a part of different, say, outreach events or community events, or being a part of something that you're passionate about. Like that fulfills you and that is love to me, like maintaining those relationships. And with the work that I do, I feel like I get to blend my passion of healthcare and improving wellness in Native communities, and that's through community, like community work and outreach activities. So d- all different types of love, all different types of love.
0: It is, and I mean, I bring this up because we all have a community. We we all represent a, a community, and it's different. And I appreciate when I see other families. I see some families that are really connected and doing a lot for each other and the community. And I see families that are struggling and how to do that. And so it makes me curious who in that family was the one that sort of is the anchor, like the one that's foundational. We all have to get together. I feel like for my family, it's my dad. My dad is the one. He'll just point you. You better be there that weekend you you better bring this he just like and so we got to show up be ready to work and be ready to help and donate or whatever but i so the point of all of that is we see love modeled from parents grandparents and then we see it in the community so i'm going to tie this love thing to an actual physical piece and so what i was taught growing up that as indigenous women we like to wear our bling. <laughs> we have this love for bling, yes. <laughs> the native bling. And what I was told is that these pieces that we have, they have a life. When we wear them, I want to ask about maybe a piece that you have or a piece that you're wearing that represents love for you and tell us the story about it.
1: Earlier in, before we started the podcast, Vicki asked me about my jewelry and if there was a piece that was maybe special and it's all special but one of the pieces that I have on is is a necklace and my yaja which in English is your little mom or your mom's little sister so you call her your little mom so she gave me this necklace this past year in 2022 and what was interesting about her was we were never close until just this past year for some reason I guess we finally connected And she showed me love and respect by giving me this necklace. Like she went through a lot to get it to me. But through my brother and other little facets of delivery, the native delivery system. Now when I wear it, I think of her. And, you know, that. of course, that's always part of what we do. One more thing I wanted to say was my aunt, who is now my, I guess I would call her my mom. She is the one who teaches me a lot about what her Masana told her, her, grandmother told her, always wear your jewelry, always wear turquoise. Every day, it's going to, if you wear turquoise earrings, you're going to hear good things. If You wear turquoise on your hands, you're going to do good things. If you wear it by your heart, you'll have a good heart. She And she tells me that like more than once, I think she's mentioned to me like three or four times because she loves to talk about her grandmother who raised her. And thankfully, I think of her now when I put on my turquoise jewelry because I'm like, yeah, that is what we were taught to do. I
3: love it. Thank you. Yeah, that's amazing, Tara. One, I guess, a whole set. So after high school, I always wanted to live in New York City, right? And I finally got there through going to school there and did my undergrad and then I did my grad school. I come from a family of weavers, my Nella, my son, they were both weavers. So my mom, she's a weaver as well. I remember back in the day going to the Four Corners, she would take some of her woven rugs and sell them. But I knew she was weaving me a rug dress for my graduation for grad school. I just assumed, you know, maybe I'll have a couple of pieces. I, at the time, didn't have much pieces. When you're in college, you're trying to protect your stuff, you've got your little duds and just a few little knickknacks. As a young woman, and I remember they drove to New York to come, because I was also moving home that week. And my mom and dad come up, and my dad, like, brings me this box. And it just touched my heart so much, because just... Knowing that my parents, including my dad, just had this stamp of, like, appreciation and, prov- and approval. It was just amazing to just receive all of that, along with the rug dress, which I knew my mom was making. But just all that coral, all the stuff they both looked for and found to this day, like, that's my most treasured. Yes. Mm. And it's just amazing. Every time I have something on, It you know, it makes me really keep that connection and memory
1: alive.
0: Beautiful. I I want to see that. Oh, (laughs) Oh, yes, yes.
1: She wears it all the time, and I'm so jealous.
2: (laughs) Oh, yes. (laughs) I love when we get together. We all have our jewelry on. We're like, oh, that's
1: nice. Where'd you get it? Ling time. Come on,
2: guys. (laughs) I just feel really proud to wear turquoise jewelry, and I never felt like that before. So quick story. I grew up in Farmington, and then in sixth grade, my mom decided to pursue her master's in nursing. So then she went to UNM. So in the middle of sixth grade, I transitioned to middle school here, and sixth grade, there's a lot going on, a lot of emotions, and I really wanted to fit in with everyone. It was really my first exposure to different cultures and meeting different people, and I just wanted to blend in. So there was a period in my life where I was like, oh, I want to wear diamonds, I want to wear what this girl's wearing, I want to wear this, and I didn't want to wear my jewelry at all. Like, I just didn't. And then when I went to college, that's where you start growing up, you really appreciate where you're from, and who you are as a person, your root. So my mom, I think giving gifts is her love language. And so she would always gift me with turquoise. And I'm looking at my ring, my bracelet, and my earrings, and they're all from my mom. And so they're all given at different stages of my life. But that was her way of saying, here's Sheyaja, I love you. I support you. This is what I want to give to you. And just know I'm always here. And this is who you are.
0: Love. I love all of that. Did you all hear about, I don't know if this is a true etiquette, but I was told this is that if I had bought like a pair of earrings, like I bought these earrings and Tara says, I love those earrings. I'm supposed to give it to her. However, (laughs) because like the other pieces that were gifted to you, if they were a gift, and someone admires it, you can't give it because it's been gifted to you. But if you bought something and someone says, I really love those earrings, they're beautiful, and you bought them, you're supposed to give them. That's what I was told. So I'm always careful <laughs> 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 what pieces I'm wearing. <laughs> and I have actually done that. In fact, I don't know, a couple of years ago, I was at a function, and I met with a native friend, and I had this big turquoise ring. We were talking, and then she says, "Oh my god, I love your ring!" And I was like, "Oh man, I just got this. And I gave it to her. I gave wow. it to her." So luckily, like you, most of mine are gifts from my mother or my some of my relatives. I don't have you guys
1: heard that before? I have never heard that before. If I did, that would be a very troubling. <laughs> yes, I would not
3: wear my jewelry. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Although most of my jewelry are, uh, have been gifts. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. I think most of my jewelry have been gifts from different people in my life. So
0: I asked three Navajo women. They have not heard it. So I'm not going to follow that rule anymore. (laughs) Okay. How many jewelries (laughs) did I give away? That's okay. You'll put it out there. It'll
3: all come (laughs) back to you. I totally believe that. It will come back to you. Yes, it
0: will. (laughs) I want to talk about the love of food. Oh, Oh, my God. (laughs) And well, I was curious about who was the first person that taught you a dish, something so yummy, so good. And they did it, of course, out of love.
3: So I was going back maybe a couple of weeks ago and I was just thinking about the process of making tortillas. I started to develop this like poem. I've never really wrote or jotted poem stuff or poetry, but I really just all of a sudden it just came to me. So I just wrote it down, right? But then I went back, I was like, my mom. I remember her sitting with me in the kitchen, showing me how to mix the dough, probably at a five, six year old age. And I remember her telling me, she's one day you're going to learn how to do this and you're going to do it good. And you'll be able to make bread for your family, for your kids, for your husband. And I thought, oh, okay." And then I always wondered, like, why was it just me? Why was it just me? What about (laughs) everybody else? (laughs) But I remember that was probably my first dish. I ever learned how to make and my mom claims she's not a good cook but I remember her teaching me that
1: at such a young age I guess mine is similar to Sandry's you know how I mentioned earlier in the podcast that this my first kind of serious relationship that she became my mom she taught me how to make tortillas Navajo style tortillas and she taught me in a way where so I had a stepmother growing up but she taught me and it wasn't in a good way it was a very by-the-book, almost like within an ingredient, a list of ingredients and how much you put in. Really, Navajos, we don't use anything. We just throw it all in together. And somehow, lo and behold, your tortillas or fry bread comes out like how you want it to be. And this mom, her name is Eleanor, she taught me how to do it in that way. Like she really just lovingly said, this is what you want to do. You add this much. You always add a little bit more baking powder. Just things like that. Or if you're making fry bread, you add more baking powder. If you're making tortillas, you add them less. Things like that. And we made tortillas and they came out so great. And that makes really good tortillas. Man. <laughs> and fried rice. No, potluck. Anyway. <laughs> yes. Navajo women. Yeah, we made her come yeah. with it. But uh, yeah, so that was a similar story. And it wasn't until I was in undergrad that she taught me how to do that. And, but yes, that was, it was like one of my first loves that I think I felt with food. And I do not like cooking. I think my friends know that I loathe cooking. <laughs>
2: And But yeah, that was it. Okay. So what comes to mind for me is baking.
3: Oh, yes. Zucchini bread
2: and banana bread, watching my mom and her going through this really old cookbook with the pages ripped out. The big binder. Yeah. And like the little tabs (laughs) and she would like underline things and like circle different ingredients. So I just remember being at the table, like helping put like a cup of flour in or mashing the bananas or putting cinnamon in. So baking, banana bread and zucchini bread, and then also lasagna. Oh, had a really good lasagna that she learned from her foster mom in Utah. And that was the same recipe that her foster mom gave her. And so that's why it wow. was so old and like just like barely hanging on yes. there. But yeah, so I really, I just remember la- layering the noodles and just like the process of just helping out. So yeah, that's what comes to mind. I was probably like fourth grade my mom has
0: that same cook right (laughs) is it colored was it like orange yeah it had like
2: the little like plastic like the binder it's like a plastic binder i think
1: one thing i would like to add one more thing is my mom i know my real mom she did not like to cook so i got that from her and she was actually a really bad cook so she would make hamburger helper that was one of her like big dishes and also spaghetti was also which everyone can make is spaghetti So that was one of her big dishes, and I just remember she was not a good cook, so that was one of the things I think I inherited from her. I would be happy if I didn't ever have to cook again, but I'm the mom-slash-wife at home, so I do all of the cooking with
0: I'm sure that you've heard from folks, as I've heard from my mom and then even my grandmother or other grandmothers. When you're cooking, they say, be in a good place. Be happy when you make your dough, you know, and when they would all come together— That's when they joke and they laugh and they're talking. It's a joyous thing. And so when people eat it, they feel that. I was young. We were butchering. It was in Tuba City. And I didn't really know these relatives, but my mom said, that's your grandmother. You guys might be able to help me. It's the part of the sheep when you're cleaning out the intestines, but it looks like a ball and there's lots of little layers. The goblet. Oh, the book? The book. The book. Yeah, the book. How do you say that in Navajo? Do you guys know how to say that part in Navajo? I don't remember.
3: Uh I don't know. My mom would always tell us it's the book. It's the book. She she was really good. She would give us the science behind all of it, though. That was really cool about my mom. But I remember we would just (laughs) fold it. She's like, you got to get every And it was fun. It It was so much fun. The best thing was to give it to a younger kid who had smaller fingers. So we all had a chance as we were growing up to open it up and clean each fold.
0: Those of you who don't know sheep anatomy, (laughs) in the book, there's different layers. And each of them, there's poop in it. And so I remember us cleaning it, and the grandma came up to me and she told me in Navajo, she said, You're supposed to be laughing when you clean this one because when you laugh and clean, it, it makes it easier. And I was like looking at her, like, Yeah, she goes, Oh, neat. she started like poking Aww. me and making me laugh, and we're laughing together yeah. and cleaning that. And I always remember that.
1: Oh, yeah. I do remember a lot of laughing during the cleaning of the intestines because they always give it to the kids. The kids. We- we find it fun to see all the balls of poop floating around in there. We're like washing it out, and you run over to the hole, whatever ditch we have. Specified that was the for fun us.
2: part. We'd have a group and go over and yes, walk over to the all hole. All the kids, on yep. uh-huh, Everybody's mm-hmm.
1: dumping it out, and then, then we laugh. Back. Yeah, we then we laugh. <laughs> you have to shake it really good. <laughs> yeah. the really, the stomach especially. You're cleaning it really yeah. good and all of that. And as kids, we don't think anything of like cleanliness or sterilization (laughs) we're just having fun cleaning and with the family because it takes almost like a whole family to do the sheep and it's like a big fun event because you're all together doing it which is the best really in my memories I remember that was like the best Yeah. yeah it's a process to eventually eat that for me like my
0: fondest memory of my mom what she taught me and again it wasn't like she taught me many dishes but the one thing that I appreciate is cutting up meat so once you butcher you cut it and oh god I'd be like fighting with it and but now like I feel I'm just like glad I know how to cut up meat and she was the butcher my mom oh. could butcher like nobody's business and can, now she's older she's hung up her knives hey. she's, <laughs> think, um, here you go Vicky you go. <laughs> One <laughs> time, of the stories, time for
1: you to sharpen yeah <laughs> one of the stories I felt was when Shannon told me about the time that she butchered, because I think out of us group here, maybe she was the one who really did it. And the story behind it was so interesting. So I think I would, I would, I'd like to see Shannon tell us that story yeah, about so how she butchered. I think this butchered.
2: was eight years ago. So this is when I was wor- working in Fort. And every year, one of the providers hosts like a big mutton fest, and so he invites all the community members, staff, like residents, students, interns, like whoever wants to go. I went and I invited some pharmacy students that were with me that summer. And it was my second year and we always butcher two sheep. And the aunties were there and they were asking, OK, who's going to butcher? And of course, everyone's like looking around Not me. Oh my gosh. And so one of the aunties looked at me and she like elbowed me. She's like, you should do it. She's like, Shannon, I want you to do it. I want you to butcher And I'm like, okay. Because you can't say no. It's an honor to be asked to, So I, I said like a little prayer to myself. And I wasn't like scared in the moment. Like I just felt strength. And I felt, you know what? This is what we used to do. This is like our culture. This is our history. This is who we are. Don't be scared of it. Think good thoughts and do it. and And I did it. And it was fine. And everything went smoothly. But I just felt I had that strength from maybe my grandmother or like my relatives and my family, like that sense of pride, that innate feeling of doing something that we've done for so many years. And that's something that you can't put a price on that, right? That's who you are as a person.
1: And I think by it, you mean taking the knife and starting to cut the sheep's this pivotal moment, I think, in, in, in the butchering process is who's going to take the knife and start to... To cut the neck and break the neck. where And it has to be done in the way where, of course, we want the sheep to be. We honor the sheep, basically, and make sure it doesn't suffer longer than it should or anything like that. So that was it, right? That, that was it when uh-huh. I was handed
2: the knife. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm mm-hmm. like, okay, I got this.
1: And
3: Shannon shared that. She was like, you have to yes. do it. And I said, oh, my God, I've never done it. Yes. But I'm like, bucket lists.
1: Yeah. 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 And it is something that goes back to our ancestors when you think, oh my gosh, my grandma did this. I don't even think my mom ever did it. But I think it's something that I feel from them. I could do a lot of other things. I like yeah. can throw down a calf if I have to and do what I need to do to it. So I better be able to butcher a sheep. Yeah. I can get on a wild horse and ride that wild horse. I better be able to butcher a sheep. Doing a mean golf club. Yes, yes. I can yes. a mean golf club. <laughs> mm. I can argue with the Or best take of them.
0: a bar class. You got or it. Or take
1: a bar class, <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah.
0: Marriage for me on that story because I, my mom, I told you, was a butcher, right? So, so I would be helping her and and finally, I said, okay, I'm ready, Mom. I, I got it. I, and she said, okay, honey. You know, so she gives me the knife, and you no, know, she's there. And then I the wrong thing by looking at the sheep's eyes. So when I mm-hmm. pull the neck back, and then it went, oh. no. and then I just hesitated. And my mom goes, "Yeah, a lot shit. She just pushed me out of the way, and she just hurry up and did it. And then she didn't say anything after that until later on. She says, you can't hesitate, hun." You just have to do it. It was like, that was my love for the sheep. I was like, <laughs> especially when it said meh. And I was like, I couldn't do it. And so anyway, so yeah. I'm impressed. Yeah, that was a, was a
1: powerful story that she told us. When Especially she said she felt like her ancestors and her grandma's grandma going yeah. back. It's
2: like, wow, this is what they did. Uh, this is like our culture. Mm-hmm. This is how they survived, right, to provide yeah. food uh-huh. for their family.
3: Yeah, yeah. You I said afterwards, you just felt like your ancestors and matriarchs were mm-hmm. just like, it, like, mm-hmm. empowered you, right? Mm-hmm. It
2: did. And I had to take a step away, too, because I just, I felt it. And yeah. I wanted to, like, have that moment to myself and not be around everyone at that time. And then took took a break and then came back and helped cut and help out.
1: Just imagine, though, like, when our grandmothers did it, that was their sheep. Like, they yes. raised that sheep. They loved those sheep. Yes. I can feel, I know what they feel when they, animals, obviously, we all love animals. So that was like their. Oh my gosh! Can you imagine know, taking that? Yes, yeah, taking your sheep from your corral that you raised from day one, and that's going to be. Of course, it's going to be our meal. It's a good thing, but I can just. That would be, I think, something different to experience as far as how much love you have for your family, because it's going to your family, really. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. Your yeah.
2: friends. Well, my mom did say when she was a kid, and my mom loves animals. Like yes. she loves animals. And she used to say she didn't want to be there when my grandma butchered. Like, she just didn't want to be there. She'll go after when it's time for her to start cutting, but she won't be there with the initial
3: first cut.
0: Oh, wow. Just just listening to you made me also think about the love our relatives have for livestock, even the sheepdog. And speaking of the sheep, they used everything. Like, everything. Nothing went to waste. You ate the head, the sheepskin was your mattress. You used everything. So they made sure we weren't wasteful people. Yes, yes, yes. Okay. So I want to talk about first love. I want folks like, who was your first love and what did that feel like? And I'll tee it up. I'll be vulnerable. I was in middle school. And I had a crush on this guy. He had a crush on me. We'd write notes back in the day when there was <laughs> <Aww>. no... <laughs> and a friend would deliver <laughs> it. <laughs> How cute. And he really liked me that one one Saturday, because I lived out not in the housing development area. I live, I always say out in the boondogs, And so it was like camp. So I lived there, my grandma, my auntie, and we all had sheep speaking of sheep. (laughs) And my grandma was visiting, my mom was in the living room, and I was in the kitchen making cookies. And we lived in a trailer. And I remember the, the kitchen sink, there was like a skinny window. So I was there cooking. And then I saw two guys ride on a motorcycle (laughs) and I looked, I was looking in the window. I'm like, oh my God, oh my God, what's he doing here? I was so scared because my parents (laughs) were very strict with me. Like I couldn't date until, like they said, I was like junior in high school. And so I went out there right away and I went out there. I'm like, what are you doing here? (laughs) And then I was so embarrassed because then all the sheep started... (laughs) <laughs>
1: oh, yes, perfect.
0: You're like <laughs> <"Can-> <laughs> the one
2: with the bell. is <laughs>
0: And I, I really remember this one sheep, because you know, our relatives told us not to name the right. sheep. So there was one goat that nobody wanted because he was just naughty. So we named him Knickerbocker. <laughs> and so anyway, the two guys get off their bike and i stand there. I'm like, what are you guys doing here now? I could see all the sheep. I was like, oh, my God, I'm so embarrassed. And then Knickerbocker starts running oh, and started no. chasing them. I'm like, oh, oh, my, God. That's oh my goodness, perfect. I was so embarrassed. So you guys got to go. You
3: got to go. <laughs>
1: (laughs) and I go inside and my mom was like who is that Um. and I'm like Oh, there were laws. I was just giving them directions. Aww. Oh my goodness. I love that goat. I would. Oh my gosh. That's. So like... you were
3: cooking. Did you give him anything? for
1: his No, wife?
0: I wanted him to get out of there. <laughs> like, like, why are you even here? Oh, so how good. old were you then when that happened? I think I was like in eighth grade. Okay. Oh, okay. Yeah. oh my gosh. But it was just embarrassing because, you know, you're like, I'll just speak for myself, but growing up on the reds and having sheep, like, and you go to school, people look down on that. And so I was embarrassed. Okay. Like, hey, there's a whole. Gone there. We got sheep here. Mm-hmm. And I knew he wasn't that way. He, yeah. he, I don't know. I really don't know. I should even assume that. But anyway, it was embarrassing. And I yes. was just like, oh my God. <laughs> so that was my first crush. And he liked each other for a while. And, but I have fun memories of him. <laughs> so when you
1: say first love, you said first crush just now. So that, that's a big difference. It
0: like is first, a difference. Uh-huh. But I felt like, in the sense of love, is that I felt seen. Okay. Like a, yeah. a Yeah, yeah, like I got, like he sees me Uh and he has interest in me. So that made my heart swell. Oh my gosh, it made my heart flutter. And I'm, yeah, he can see me.
1: Oh, okay. Okay, that's a good way it clarifies the question. Shannon and I were talking about this earlier today because we were saying, what are we going to be asked tonight? And just thinking about love immediately, you don't think about like your family love or the love you have for yourself. You automatically think for the love in your relationship that you have. And Thinking of like your first reciprocal love, I guess, is what I can think of. Because, of course, in growing up in high school, I was very closed off to the world since I had lost my mom very young. I was very different from everyone because I didn't go to school. I refused. I didn't want to be involved in anything. When I did go to school, I just wore sweats. I didn't care, I, which was rare when I did go until I finally was told that, okay, if you don't continue going to school, you're going to be held back. And that's when, thankfully, a friend, who I can say for sure loved me and I loved her, told me, no, I don't want you to stay behind. I want you to come with us and be with us in our class. And thankfully, she was the one that kind of pulled me out of it. So when I was in high school or young, I didn't really have any guys that were interested in me because I wasn't popular. You know, in in Native culture, basketball, being a basketball player or an athlete, that's what's going to get you basically that young love. If you're not an athlete, A basketball player you're not really gonna attract it and I was like furthest from it because I was so in my own world so I was telling Shannon earlier today so I was kind of like that like nobody wanted to be with me (laughs) for sure even though my friend the epitome of the popular most uh, talented basketball player she was like on a roll, all of that. Thankfully, for some reason, she just wanted to hang out with me. And I don't know why, but we got along. we were like kindred sisters. She's my, one of my conspirators like Shannon and Sandy are. <laughs> and I think I didn't have any young love in high school or junior high. Any of the guys that I thought that I liked, they had no interest. They were like, no, you're not what I want. And it wasn't until I got into college that I finally met the person who had the mom and that was like my first reciprocal love there. But we knew we were doomed because we had the same first clan. So right away, as soon as we met anyone, because he was Navajo, of course I'm Navajo, Ma'i Dej Gijni, he was Ashihi, and I was, of course, Ma'i Dej Gijni. Everyone asked us, what's your clan? And we'd go anywhere, to my aunt's house, to his aunt's house. And then right away, they'd tell us, this is you're not supposed to be together, you're brother sister. And we knew, of course, it didn't last very long. I guess back in those days, four years was a long time. It was longer than expected, but that was my first, I guess, I, I don't want to, really not to disrespect what I have now, because that's different. I don't want to disrespect anything I have now, but that was kind of like the first reciprocal love I ever, I'd ever had. But even though his parents were very traditional, they loved me, and that's what drew me to that family. Even when I see them today, their relatives still see me, and they show me love. And I showed the same back. Sandry and I just ran into one of his relatives, his aunts, and oh, it was so sweet. That was like that's long lasting. And I was like, oh, I just feel it for her like that. So that was I think that's in a long summation, my first love in a way. I want to hear yours first.
3: Oh my gosh. <laughs> I was so closed off with the world. I'm just kidding. So I was homeschooled from second through eighth grade. And my dad had three girls, one boy, and he was really strict on guys. I remember one time my mom bought us these halters. This was in the 90s. These like halter dresses <laughs> and with a little white top. And I remember we were ready to go. My mom was taking us to church. I remember my dad, he's, like, you girls are not wearing those outfits. You better go get back in there and go change them. And I remember my mom had just bought them from like Bells or something. My dad, he always covered us in a way. That was keeping us from just experiencing crushes and hurt and Mm -hmm. stuff. So I guess I'll go back to high school because it wasn't to me. Now I understand a lot more about what love is. But I guess the first crush, first connection, somebody actually likes you and is willing to ask you out. was in high school. And I remember I went to church with him a couple of times. Like we'd hang out maybe at the mall or something. And I did that for maybe a month and a half. And it was like, I think I was going into my junior year. And that was happening. And my dad found out. And I remember <laughs> he looked at me. He's you want to go to school. You better get rid of him. Back then. I mean, this is early 2000s. The internet was barely coming up. Like I was doing a lot of like college applications, uh-huh. everything by hand. And I, he knew I was really dedicated to getting somewhere with my schooling. And he gave me this example of one girl that had a boyfriend. She went off to school and she would, couldn't handle it. Or I guess he, she missed him so much mm. she wanted to come home. So he's, I don't want that happening for you. And I remember even through college, undergrad, I was like, dad, I graduated from undergrad. He's like, nah, you still have to go get your master's degree. What about that other one? He's otherwise don't be talking or bringing a man or mentioning one. And so when I finally graduated from my master's, I was like, oh, I guess I can, like, really find love. So anyway, that was my story. My dad was, like, on the hammer with Being those a dad, things. For he was.
1: dad. Yeah. for him, yes. That's good what dads him. do, yes.
3: <laughs> okay, so I'll share a quick
2: story about my first crush, I guess, young love in high school. So it was my sophomore year, and I was involved in all the sports. Basketball, softball, I even tried band the first year. I was, like, involved in a lot of, like, extracurricular activities. So sophomore year, I remember seeing this new Native guy in the hallway. I was like, oh my gosh, this guy's cute. Tall, like 6'1", brown, black hair. Were you
3: in a school with a lot of Natives though? No. Ooh. Yeah, so this, he
2: was like a nugget, like okay. diamond in the rough, right? Okay. I remember, and I was. it was basketball season, so it was November. So he had just transferred over from the res like oh, back west. Oh, okay, okay. And I noticed he was in basketball. I was like, oh, okay, he plays basketball. Okay, I play basketball. You play basketball? Okay. And then my best friend, she had class with him. So she started asking him questions and she asked his clan too. Oh my Ay, God. So we good were friend, good. good. Yeah, friend. so okay. we were good. And then she asked him if he wanted to go with me to Winter Balls. So it wasn't like he's going to ask me or I ask him. Okay. So she asked him and he said yes. And then later on that day, we passed each other in the hallway and then he stopped me. He's hey, like, I'm looking forward to going with you. Can I get your number? My dad said that he can pick you up. Like, we'll go, to, you cute. know, his dad drove him to my house and oh my we took gosh. pictures, <laughs> like, by the front oh. door. And I still
3: have that oh photo my in my yearbook. Oh, yeah. And so it was like a big thing. I want to see this. <laughs> yeah. He
2: looks so handsome. Oh. He had a tuxedo on and a tie. And I had a maroon dress. I did my own hair. Nice. Yeah. And then we went to Garduño's in like a group setting. And it was just like really fun. So yeah. we had that really good just getting to know each other yeah. and like all that good stuff. Two months go by and it was like towards the end of basketball season. I remember having a late practice. So I was, like, tired, had my bag, had my sweats. So I was all sweaty. My hair looked a mess, like, all that, right? And so I was walking down the hallway, and then I, like, heard this weird noise. And I'm, like, Is following me? Yeah. Like, what? Who, who's there? So I was, like, okay, no one's following me. So I walked again, like, another 30 seconds, and then I turned to the left. And I see him with this other girl. They were like making out, right? Oh, Oh, no. And she was a native girl, too. (laughs) Was it your friend?
0: Wish. Oh,
2: my gosh.
1: (laughs) I wish. To make the story better, you wouldn't be
2: doing that if she was my friend. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. But like literally in that moment, he crushed my little heart. Like I was so into him. He was my first crush. I could just I just felt it. I felt like heartbroken. (laughs) yeah and then I didn't know what to say and they yeah. just both looked at me and she looked at me with this face like oh no yeah and then I was just like excuse me so I like walked right <laughs> in between them oh wow and then I just shut the door on them. oh,
3: <laughs>
1: oh that's, yeah that's
3: a good story
2: and um, hi- they don't
1: prepare you for that in no, high school no, no. It's not my what crush do, lasted right.
2: like maybe four months oh
3: yeah yeah I was I felt bad. I had to go back to school and tell him like I can't be with you. And I remember he brought a rose yeah. like oh. to my locker the next day. I was like, "I'm sorry. I can't be with you. My dad said I can't." Be with you. <laughs> so, I pinned it all on my dad.
2: So the crazy part is, okay, so that was a while back, right? In high school. Fast forward, when I'm working in 4, I see him. He oh, sees wow. me in the pharmacy. Yeah. Oh. And
3: were you giving him a Oh, I guess HIPAA, huh? Because I was, yeah,
2: I was calling out scripts, like IHS Pharmacy, you call out the name, yeah. the person okay. comes in, you counsel them, and then you 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 call the next name. Yeah. So he was in line. And then when I went to call out another script, he was right there by my door. Oh my God. Wow. <laughs> and he, it Circle. was like a quick hello, hey, how's it going? Like, how, how are you? And then like an hour later, he Facebooked me. Oh. And he wanted to take me out to like Denny's.
1: Oh, wow. Nice, Denny's. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But
2: this is bittersweet because I got to say no.
1: Like I wasn't
2: like into him, you know, like, and I'm like, no, you already crushed my
0: heart. Like, I'm not going to let you do it again.
3: Yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: I love that because there's two things that I hear from this. (laughs) One is when we have those heartaches, those crushes, at the moment, it's like real and raw and you're just like. And then as you move forward and really reflect, there's learning there. So your learning is like really clear boundaries. I do not want to repeat what happened. I know my worth. So that's one thing I want to say. The other thing I wanted to say is all of us at some point or another talked about our clans. And it's funny because when you're dating, particularly if it's a a native guy, Navajo guy, I always hold my breath when that question comes. Oh, what's your clan? I'm like, you first. Yeah, right?
2: Let me see that if I, I can like wiggle. your
0: profile first.
2: <laughs> there should be a t-shirt that says that when oh you go out. Oh my gosh.
1: <laughs> no, that's why that we have right. our t-shirts our with t-shirt our first clan on, plan. on it, yeah. right <laughs> so you wear it in.
0: <laughs> okay, the last topic is self-love. When I think about that, I feel like the older that I have, gracefully aged to this point, the more I understand what self-love is. I could say I didn't really understand that concept. And it almost was because my heart had to completely break, really break to where I was on my knees, just in that sort of dark place. I had to figure it out by myself in the sense of, What is my worth and what do I deserve? It's even just more than that. I feel like in this journey, I've really learned what that means. And now that I'm older, I could hear my grandmother, my Nelly. She would be saying things in Navajo about that. Be careful what you put in your mind. Be careful what you say. Love yourself and be patient with your children. Don't forget about your mom. Like She would say it's like it's all up to you. And so in a form of self-love, it is all up to me to really understand and model and do that. And so I'd be curious to know, however you want to talk about it, whatever is rising for you in your belly, when did you really start to understand the concept of self-love or what do you do for self-love or who maybe modeled self-love for you and there was a point in your life where you you understood it?
3: I remember when I went off to college, I left home. I was so happy. Like I was 18. You're like ready to leave. That was my time to really explore myself, just learn and explore the city. You know, for me, it was moving to New York and just running into different cultures and just seeing a lot of fun stuff and just exploring it and taking it in. But a part of that, too, was just getting comfortable with my identity. I think Shannon mentioned that earlier is sometimes it takes us to get away from our home, our comfort zone. To really begin to appreciate being a Navajo woman, accepting the home we came from, accepting our history. I think self-realizing where you are immature in certain areas and that your parents did their best, but if you don't feel like you're fully grown up, you have to grow yourself up. And how do you do that? And for me, it was like self-help. For me, it was plugging into church or understanding my spiritual life, learning how to forgive and let that history be there, accept it and move forward. And once I think I found myself, understood my identity, realized how, what kind of person I want to be and move on. And I think that's where I started to really toy with how do I take care of myself by myself? And how do I do that in a way that one is budget friendly when you're single starting out, that's always one thing. But then now that I'm, in my mid-30s, under, knowing what self-love is, as simple as going for a walk by myself, taking a time of 30 minutes to just lay on the bed and not think about anything, creating small boundaries. Oh, you want to talk about this, son? Okay, give mommy five minutes. And just in those little moments when you realize you need to catch your breath to be able to like continue to give, it's like those moments, they're so small, but I think that kind of, that's my walk for now.
1: Yeah. I think you're really good at setting boundaries. I, I was never good at that, especially when it came to self-love. I think when I first 20s, 30s, I was really bad at it. Really bad. And it, it shaped me, thankfully, to the person I am today. But it wasn't a good thing. Coming from a native family, broken native family, my dad was really, really good to us. But my dad was a very smart man. He is like one of the very first attorneys, Native attorneys, and he's paved the way a lot for Navajo. This man is interesting to talk to. He can tell you anything about history of Navajo, the history of Native law, Indian law. It's really fun to talk to him. He's the person who shapes me as far as like my belief in water rights, environmental rights. Gosh, you can take it all the way back to the rights, Indian water rights, all of that. he shaped me so much in that way. He did not give me a good idea of what a relationship was supposed to be like. I don't want to disrespect him, but coming from Native families, they're very broken, very difficult. Alcoholism is crazy on our reservations. Unemployment, just being so isolated. Their grandparents didn't really show love to each other in the way that modern society thinks that love should be shown. Hard work really was love. The amount of work you put into the house, the ranch, or Household, the sheep, that was what the way that your love was shown. I think it took me a long time to figure out how to self love after I put myself through horrible relationships. Finally, when I got into my late mid to late 30s, I think I finally was like, oh, I'm done with all of that craziness. And it took really took me a mental and physical move. I had to dislocate myself from my old life, move to a new life. And that's really where I was able to open my eyes and open other parts of my heart to see different things. And I still have a connection with my old life, but it's very small. My new life, I don't want to say new life, but this second part or whatever. That's where I was able to learn self-love. And I think ways that I really, it comes down to my current relationship with my husband. And then of course, my friends, that's really all where it is. Family, of course, that's always thankfully there. But in this life here, the work environment in the city, it's really my husband and the family and then my friends. It's, that's where it is. My self-love is with them. So I think uh, that's, that's... Girls need to out ourselves. Right? <laughs> <Yes>. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> they're giving me what I need. And yes. thankfully, the balance comes from being at home with my husband and the little world that we live in there with our stepson. And then I get to hang out with them, so it's nice. I like it, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, the self love is oh, it's a long journey. It's I can a, say yeah, that. Yeah, mm-hmm.
3: it's a process. It's a continuation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's. I don't think it's I've so cool. ever had anybody that I grew up with, like my mother. I don't recall a conversation of her saying. This is how you love yourself. Just keep yourself together, brush your hair, wash your face. Just these Mm -hmm. commands your mom tells you, you know, sit up straight, (laughs) don't eat too much, (laughs) you don't want a belly, you know, (laughs) you need to go walk. But they're never like, oh, that's self-love, but those are. Get your body moving. Reach out to a friend you haven't said hello to and just say, hey, I'm thinking about you. I love you. I miss you. Have a wonderful weekend. Just little things like that, I think, really spark in a woman. Her connections reinforces that, and that's also a form of self-love, reconnecting to the people that had meaning in your life.
2: I went through a really rough breakup in my early 30s, and I think going through that really helped me identify what self-love means to me and what that entails. I had to take a step back and ask myself, Where am I going next? Because my next move consisted with someone else. So I was thinking for two people and not just myself. And so I think, yeah, just stepping back and asking myself, what do I want to do next? What's my passion? What do I want to do in the next five years with, say, like my work life? How do I get there now? Also, what makes me happy in this present time and what makes me happy is being around family and friends, exercising and working out and going to the gym Going to classes, I think it's like a rediscovery because you're just trying to figure yourself out and your new you in that moment. I think relying on family and friends, all of our dinner conversations and outings and taking trips with my cousins on little trips like that really helped me heal from my relationship, but it also helped me identify self-love and then also community, being involved in different things, carving out time for things that I really love to do and things that made me happy. And I think it's a continuous cycle. I feel like each stage in your life, that's going to change. And so you got, it's just a continuation of finding who you are in that moment.
1: Oh, so beautiful. You want to say something? I was thinking about when we're growing up, you listen to your mom, you listen to your grandma. And even during our, if you did have a kinafta, which is our puberty ceremony, there's no Oh, take time for yourself. There's no make sure you do something for you. No, that's not taught during that ceremony. It's you're going to cook, you're going to clean, you're going to work hard every day, what you're doing during these four days or however long it takes. That's, what, that's how you're going to be. If you are speaking good words right now, that's how you're going to be for the rest of your life. It's funny how when we're growing up, our teachings, our grand ancestors and grandmas and mothers, they don't tell us. Take, oh, take a day to yourself. No, nope. it's work. That's all. When I think back to my grandmother, all she ever did was work. I never saw her. Oh, I'm going to take a bath. No, nope. that was yeah. just so foreign.
3: No <laughs> way. I mean, with no running water, maybe. Yeah. But even just, I'm going to go
1: out back and sponge myself by right. myself. Right, right. I'm going to sit here by myself moon. and just drink some tea and look at, look at the valley or the sheep. No. There was none of that. She was constantly working. So I think our generation was the first generation to think, okay, how do I love myself rather than taking care of everyone else? As a matrilineal society, we're taught that we're taking care of everything. And really it is true. But then also remembering to add self-love in there, that would have been great for grandma to take a day and be like, or even a couple of hours, just to be like, I'm just going to hang out and Maybe weaving her rug was really the time that she was able Mm -hmm. to meditate. And that was her self-love. It was different then. But I was just thinking about that, how it was so different back then. And we weren't really taught that. I was going to say, like, with just her everyday activities, walking
3: out early in the morning to go check on the sheep or let them out. What she did when she stepped out the door, Uh what kind of prayer she may have said.
1: What does she think?
3: Yeah. One of the things that I always get captured with, my mom would say, you never know what prayers is carrying you right now, like where you're at, what you're doing. And just as career woman now, you never know what your grandparents, Mm -hmm. grandmas ever prayed over you. Yes. And like I was thinking, maybe all of those self-love that were never told to us. We're just always embedded in her everyday life.
0: It also made me think about our relatives, our ancestors. It was different. Life was different. It was nothing like it is today, getting on a plane or the technology. It was just different. This generation, we see it differently. And part of that, I think, is because of the education. We've been exposed to many different cultures and practices and modalities. And what I've learned at this day and age, we do things differently we know how to navigate in business world as well as when we have to go home and help butcher. It's a self-discovery process. It's also a process when you're doing self-love. It's a practice, whether it's a daily practice, a monthly practice, whether that is meditating, self-care in whatever form. But all part of the self-care is having a support system, whether that's a group of friends, your family, or the community surrounding yourself. I'm always telling folks to ask for help. And I too sometimes struggle asking for help. And when I get to the place where I know I can't maybe do whatever task, then that's a form of self-care because I'm asking, can you help me? Can you do this? And the other thing that I heard as I was listening to you all is just part of the self-love is this self-reflection and that Whatever lessons we're learning, hardship, even if it's good lessons, if we don't spend time to reflect and think about what is the learning here, then we'll repeat it again in a different form with a different person. And so hopefully when you spend time reflecting and really harvest the learning, then that form of self-care will help you as you go forward to say no. I do not want to go on that date. <laughs> you know, yes, and I need a little bit of time. I, can you give me five minutes to reset and I will be there. It's also speaking up and having the courage to speak up for yourself. As I'm hearing you all say that. Oh my gosh, the time has gone by so fast. I just, I can't believe it. Like, we've only had a handful of topics. We didn't even get yeah. into what is dating like these days or whatever. But Thank I do, goodness do didn't get into that topic. <laughs> I usually do a fire round. And after mm. I do a fire round of questions, I want you all to be thinking about what do you want to tell our listeners? I and mean, we talked a lot about our relatives and friends. But let me ask these fire round questions. So they're meant to just have four of them. Okay, the first one is... What's one thing you wish you didn't love?
1: Oh, living in the city. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my gosh. I wish I could just live on the res and that would be it. But I do like living in the city and I don't like that fact.
2: I'm going to be silly on this one. Cheese. I just love cheese. Pizza, nachos, anything with cheese. But, you know, all those calories. (laughs) Yep. So...
3: I wish I loved the idea of making time for myself earlier on in my in the past, what, 15 years. I think that would have trajectored me That's a, good a little one. different way. One. Yeah, I wish I just wasn't so open, like just yeah. wanting to be there to help and be here and support and push, push and give, give or give. Yeah.
0: All right. The next one is what's your favorite love song or movie?
3: One and Only by Adele. Good one. All of Me by John Legend, Shipwreck Girl by State
2: Line. <laughs> oh, I do the Notebook.
1: Oh, that, that would be my favorite. That love I, movie. That's the first movie I've yeah. ever cried really? to. Yeah. Oh my gosh, I can not even watch. that. You don't like those movies? <laughs> no, I don't like those. Guys. I love the rom like, coms. I <laughs> like like Doomsday. I like like post apocalyptic. Oh like that's <laughs> I'm sci fi. I like all of that. So they, there's no love in any of that other than trying to survive. So. I really like Imagined by John Lennon. How do you like to be loved? I love it when my husband cooks for me. That's what I like because it, it just it means that I can just relax, not think about what I'm going to make tonight, what I'm going to burn. I've cooked <laughs> in the past like two times I cooked, which was yesterday and not yesterday, the day before. And I cooked, I burned it both of them, so... <laughs> I'm like, oh, sorry, honey, I burned it. And then, you know, of course he eats it, but that's how I think I like to be loved. (laughs) I love a long, good, strong, loving hug.
3: Just stand there for like 10 seconds and just embrace.
2: I like quality time and words of affirmation. Just someone being able to say, hey, let's hang out this evening. I want to see you. I miss you.
0: Things like that. That's what I love. So this is the last one my my son and I were brainstorming fire round questions. And this is actually circling back from the very beginning when I asked you all to define love. And we talked about all forms. And so this is the question. How would you describe love to an alien? Oh, gosh. When you give her your spaceship
3: (laughs) (laughs) and let her redecorate and let her run the show. And you just do everything he makes she says. her coffee and cook her dinner <laughs> oh, right. and give her hugs before yes. you go to sleep.
1: There you go. He makes coffee for you in the morning. Oh my goodness, yes. <laughs> or brings you coffee in the morning.
3: Yes. Where are you? <laughs> or don't go back to your homeland, alien.
0: Stay with her. All
1: right. <laughs>
0: well, he thought of it and I was like, oh, interesting. He goes, well, think about it, mom. Another form, a living form, doesn't speak the same language. And so how would you show and describe to that being what love is and what it feels like? And I was like, oh, that is a really good question, son. So,
1: Oh, good question. that's yeah. a good
0: question. All right, ladies. So what I'd love for you to do is share with our listeners. They heard a lot of our stories. What's one thing you hope that they think about? Maybe that has worked for you. Just words of wisdom for them to take and sit with. Learning to self-love. It takes a tribe to
3: learn how to do that too. It's not always done in isolation. It's interacting with people from different backgrounds, different age groups. I love to be around women who are much older than me, maybe younger, same age, to just really get their experiences, get their insight, get their wisdom. And that helps me decide what do I want or what is out there for me? You know, What do I aspire to be? And if you're at that point of wanting to Dig deep down in and start to really love yourself so you can give more to whomever your family or community or interests is. Start to get out. People are a great resource. And I know Vicki's been an awesome resource
1: and that's how we all developed what we have. But branch out. Yes. I think never giving up on yourself. Just keep going and trying to grow, learn from your past, whether it was good or bad. Just give it a chance. Because you never know what's going to happen next. And that's like the best part of, I guess, getting older. If there's anything about good about getting older, <laughs> there's still some surprises and there's still some fun to be had. I'm the older one with Vicky. I think us two are about the same age. And think that's what I could say as far as never giving up and remembering that love is always going to be there. Whether it's with your friends, whether it's going to be with the person that you choose to be with. And, of course, with kids, family,
2: pets. I think everyone has their own journey to self-love. It doesn't look the same. It's different. Even amongst all four of us here, our journey to self-love is different. What we perceive as self-love is different, and that's okay. And that's the beauty of it. Just having that support system, just being around friendships and family have really strengthened my self-love and happiness and finding that work-life balance. And that takes time. You don't know the best option for you at that time. Sometimes it's trial and error and that's okay. And it's okay to make mistakes and it's okay to try different things. So everyone has their own journey and just embrace your journey.
0: Thank you, ladies. I will say in my language, thank you, ladies. I appreciate your wisdom. I appreciate you sharing your stories. I appreciate you connecting with yourself, offering what was meant to be offered. A yonishne <laughs> that basically means I love you, my sisters yeah. and little I, sisters, little sisters okay. although with you, I would say we're at the same age. So how would
1: I address that? I think really. I Yeah, I think really I would still be your little sister. Yes. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I'll own it. I'm okay, the, el- I'm okay,
0: the <laughs> But I appreciate it, you all coming, having dialogue. It was so much fun. Don't be surprised, those of you that follow me on Instagram, on Real Native Roots page, that one day you might see a photo of these women and we're all butchering. Oh, yeah. yeah. Hopefully. Let's Hopefully. It. It. We'll have to find a place in Rio yeah. Rancho. <laughs> <laughs> so listeners, thank you so much for listening. Thank you for following. Thank you for your support. Please share. And you heard it from all of us. You don't have to follow anyone's standards about self-love. You, you come up with your own terms. Don't forget about a system, creating a support system for yourself. Just go at it. Have fun. Don't take yourself too seriously. Life is too short. So keep going for it. And I want to say thank you. We'll see you next month.